Good morning. Welcome to our service at First Baptist Church. I wonder if you might join with me into a time of prayer as we prepare ourselves to meet God this morning. Father, thank you so much for the day that you've given us, the opportunity that we have to join together people from all walks of life, from actually all over the country that have come and relocated and here to Sun City West and the surrounding area. And Father, we're grateful, and we take that as a wonderful privilege and responsibility to gather together. And Father, as we come before you this morning, remember what the scripture says in Deuteronomy, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. And out of all the peoples on the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. And Father, our hearts um, are broken by what we have seen in the terrorist attacks in Israel, the civilians who have suffered so much, families that are grieving, continued war. And God, I pray that through the power of your spirit, that your mighty hand would begin a process of remembering what your word says and the promises of your word. And that God, you would send peace, healing, comfort to so many who are devastated. Father, we also reflect not only on the earthquake that hit Afghanistan a week ago yesterday where thousands were killed but just yesterday again a major earthquake whole communities are devastated and God with these types of concerns and with the losses that are felt with the pain the sense of hopelessness God, I, I pray that you would touch our hearts to not only intercede for these that have been mentioned, but God, we would strive to intercede for those who are in darkness and lost. That through all of this, that we might see your mighty hand in true revival and spiritual awakening. We would see those in darkness come to the light. But Father, we do understand that we ourselves, because of our faith in Christ, are your chosen people. You have given to us a light to shine, hope and joy to share. So Father, I pray, wherever we are in our neighborhoods, and as we intercede and as we travel, God, we would spread that hope of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever we go. That we would show that compassionate care. That we would remember that, Father, as your people, you've called us. And it is a joy and a privilege and a responsibility. 
So help us to stand up strong. Help us to focus our attention upon the desire of your heart for your people and for all peoples that they might hear the gospel and be spiritually transformed. And Father, help us with so many things that are devastating this world that we give compassionate care in every way. In particular, we intercede. So this morning, we come before you because we know that you are the creator of all. And we come before you as the holy God because you're the only one who is holy. And so as we sing songs today, as we together lift up our voices and hear your word and let your spirit speak among us, that God, we would be all in, focused, directed, that we would allow you and your presence to make yourself known in our lives and in this place today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3 says, And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the Revelation says, Day and night they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He's calling us to lift up our voices. If the angels and the creation can lift up their voices, then I pray this morning we connect with God and lift our voices to give him honor and praise and glory. If you are comfortable standing, I invite you to do so as we sing to the Lord, holy, holy, holy. Oh, <laughs> 
Great to see everybody here today. Join with me in prayer, please. Father, may we throughout this day and throughout the coming weeks ahead consistently think about your love. The love that you've given to us, that you've expressed through Jesus, for so many other things Father, that you have blessed us with. Father, we ask for your blessing on each person here today. We ask for your comfort for those who are afflicted, Father. We thank you for those who are unable to attend, Lord, and may be watching. We're so grateful for this time we can gather in your house. We're grateful for your presence here with us today, and we ask you to bless us through the message that the pastor is bringing, that you've laid on his heart. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great is the Lord Almighty. He is Lord. He is God indeed. Let's sing together. Thank you. 
granddaughter and they'll talk about things that they've shared and experiences that they've enjoyed together and at the end of the conversation she'll say I love you bumpy and it's very endearing to him he loves it but what's even better is when she writes him a letter like last grandparents day she wrote him a letter and it says all of the things that he enjoy, that she enjoys about being with him, the things that she likes about him. And at the very end, it says, I love you, Bumpy. And this stays with him, and it's on our fridge, so he can look at it and refer to it whenever he wants. Because it's a love letter, a love letter from Ella. I want you to join me for a moment. I'd like you to get out, get out your Bible or get one from the pew. Go ahead. And I want you to hold it. I want you to be reminded that this just isn't a book. It's also a love letter. It's God's love letter to us. And it was inspired by the Holy Spirit written down by people, handpicked by God for just that purpose, to reveal him in written form so that we could read it again and again and again, gaining understanding of who he is. He wrote to us so that we could know his heart and his love for us. <clears throat> Let's face it. Sometimes we're guilty of neglecting our responsibilities about reading the Bible. It gets a little dusty, or some days we feel like we're reading it out of obligation. Or instead, we listen to podcasts or CDs or DVDs or radio stations or good books. But 
they're not making us really study it, looking at the word. Resources are great when they supplement reading the Bible, but not when they replace it. Now, I'd like you to turn to Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. And if you can't get there fast enough, it's going to be on the screen. Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 7. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Well, maybe it takes more effort to follow this command, but those are his words for us. And I ask you not to read the Bible like you're reading a newspaper. Read the Bible like a love letter where you devour every word and you feel each phrase. The Bible contains the greatest words of love ever written. And I know it has its ups, it has its downs, it has unexpected plot twists. It has drama, it has tragedy, it has failures and successes, and it's filled with many characters who are not unlike us. I want you to hold your Bible up, and I want you to prayerfully ask God to give you a renewed passion for reading it. Don't wait, because the words in this book are more important than any other words recorded through history. Nothing is necessary to understand the good news of Christ. Nothing else can give you the good news of Christ. No other books are required to know God and to follow the Holy Spirit. What we have in the Bible is perfect, trustworthy, right, clear, pure, and above all, it's true. This love letter from God will help you live in a way that honors him. I want you to read it, embrace it, and hear God's voice. And as you listen to God's voice, you'll find that nothing, nothing will ever be the same. You will never be the same. I promise you. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto A lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. When I feel afraid and I think I've lost my way, still you're there right beside me. Nothing will I fear as long as you are near. Please be Is a lamp to my feet. And 
Jesus, the only one. 
Scripture reading for this morning is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We are grateful for the opportunity to share the scripture, for these are the words of the Lord. Yes, 
sure love shouting victory, don't we? That day will come, and that day is now, because we don't have to wait. The Lord Jesus Christ is in our lives. His word is in us. We can have victory every single day, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. Remember that. We are on the victor's side. When I was nine years old, my mom and dad and my brother and I were uh, living temporarily with my grandmother and grandfather in Roswell, New Mexico. A little two-bedroom house, it's an older place. Remember my grandfather uh, had a great croquet set out in the back. <laughs> we used to play, he had spotlights out there. We used to play almost every night. It was a great time. As being a nine-year-old, you didn't know all the circumstances of life, and so you didn't worry about that too much. You just enjoyed. But I never forget, I built a fort out on their front porch. And I uh, had a little chair out there, and it was, it was just my place to go. And one day, early afternoon, I somehow got my grandfather's Bible. Now I accepted Christ when I was six. And I, I know I had a Bible, but somehow I just picked his up and I went to that little fort right outside their front, their front door. And I tell you what, the time just went. I was fascinated by just reading. I didn't understand a lot. King James Version, <laughs> nine-year-old. <laughs> but as I read, I just felt this sense of God speaking. Several hours went by until finally, I think it was my mom that came and found me, wondered where in the world I was. <laughs> that was my first experience with actually getting into the Word with this own personal desire to just sense what God was saying. And not really understanding, I don't know what drew me to that, but I'll never forget that day. The Word of God, it is living and powerful. This passage that Rich read is a wonderful statement about the Word of God because when the Scripture says in verse 12, the Word of God, it can go either direction. It can refer to the living word that is the Lord Jesus Christ or and it can refer to the written word, the scriptures, the Bible that we talk about. So our text doesn't really make it clear what it refers because it is God. God has so joined his living word with his written word that they cannot be divided in our thinking. The Christ we know is the Christ who comes to us in Scripture. The power of His Spirit has indwelt in our lives to help us to understand. That word alone gives life. It is His word. I spoke about that to some degree back in August. That His word is the living word. Whether we have it written in the contents like this, but his word will never pass away. And it is living and powerful. 
It can change our lives. And I want to take uh, the few minutes that we have this morning, and I want to look at three truths that this passage gives us. First, we find that Jesus, or God's word lives. And God's word lives because it's the word of the living God. That seems pretty basic, pretty simple. Well, of course, his word lives because it is the word of the living God. It's not just something that somebody wrote down. He is the one that instructed, that guided, that gave them the concepts of understanding of the parameters of, of what his word, what he desired to share with us, what he wanted us to learn, and not something to be stoic about. And read it in a morning or in, a, in an evening before we go to bed and say, man, that sounds good. It's good literature. It is his word, and it should fill us. It should encourage us. It should give us hope. It's a living word. Verse 12, the first part says, for the word of God is alive and active. You see, God has chosen to pour his very life into his word. Think about that concept for a minute. He identifies himself com continually as the living God. That is in sharp contrast to the various gods that were created by different entities and cultures all through the course of human history. He himself is living, alive. He has shown that all the way through history. In fact, he verifies his word with the very life. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Take that word life because we use it a lot. We use the word life in a lot of sentences, a lot of things to describe our lives. But I want you to dive into that word life. What it means for us to have life. Why God created and stamped his image upon us and breathed into us life. And through the power of God, through Jesus Christ and his spirit, he gives us life everlasting. Our own words die. The words of mere men and women over the course of history, they ultimately become out of date, out of tune. But God attaches his very life to the written word. It is eternal. We also see that God, God's word lives because it gives life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. The writer of Hebrews wants us to understand it's powerful and active. Peter is trying to help us to understand it's living and enduring. It is not going to pass away. You can hitch your wagon to it, as they used to say in the old day. It is truth. It is not a truth, it is truth. The very first encounter that you had with the word of God, you were dead spiritually. But it is God's word that brings us life and sustains our spiritual life from here through eternity. His word. God's word has an indescribable vitality to it. When, when God comes into our life through his son, Jesus Christ, 
and as we study through his written word, we all of a sudden begin to realize that it breathes, it speaks, it pleads, it comforts, it conquers, it wrestles, it smiles, it comforts more, it weeps, it sings, it whispers, it is alive. It is not a stagnant word out there. It comes into our lives and we become alive. No matter what the season, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what we're going through, it allows us to enjoy, to have life. It gives life to us. God's word lives because it has inherent energy as well. When Jesus was arrested, we read in John 16, 8, when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Is that not powerful? He was going to allow them to take him. Obviously, this was the path that had to be taken. But when he said, I am he, it caused mere men to fall to the ground. Powerful, inherent energy. Christ will win that final victory over all opposition because of his energetic word. Revelation 19.15 says, Coming out of his mouth as a sharp sword and which to strike down the nations, he will rule them with an iron scepter. The word of God, the Logos, as an energy that is never without results. It is always full of activity for salvation for those who come out of darkness into life or for judgment when we come before him. All spiritual life depends on the continued contact with the word of God. For those who seem to be listless, seem to be lifeless, for those who seem to be lethargic spiritually, this could denote a relationship between their continued con study and understanding and involvement with the Word of God. Yes, we have salvation. Christ has given us that. But are we continually in His Word studying and bringing that life to us, allowing Him to actively use us for His glory? to bring glory to him? Do we actively engage, not just in a, in a, a short devotion, but understanding what his word says and, and the impact it has, not only us, but that we can have on the lives of others, which is what he desires. But if we don't have that contact, then we ourselves will kind of feel like we're on the outside. Just not excited about our spiritual lives anymore just in a rut, just doing things the way we normally do them. Well, that's not what he wants with us. Every day there ought to be this understanding as we read is life-giving word, the joy and the hope and the love that he offers and that he wants to use us to offer to others who are in a state of lostness or they themselves are burdened down. So listen, God's word lives. Please let his word live, live, truly live in you. Secondly, we find that God's word penetrates. 
It penetrates with provision, uh, precision. Verse four, uh, 12 says, sharper than any double-edged sword. At my house, I have this, uh, this knife. It's a big old knife about that size that my dad um, uh, made years and years and years ago. He made the handle and that piece of metal is a titanium. He found it somewhere and he just began to work on it. It wasn't a knife blade. It was just a piece of metal and he began to work with it. And I tell you what, you don't want to get that knife around you and around your fingers without some kind of, uh, of, um, of covering. It is sharp. And so obviously it's put away. <laughs> when I think of this passage, I think of that knife. I think of how sharp it is. You see, God's word cuts cleaner. It cuts better. It cuts sharper than the sharpest weapon we could ever imagine. A double-edged sword cuts both ways, going in and, and coming out, up and down. That's what he says about his word, his word, his living word. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 17, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word here kind of suggests the short dagger-like sword that a Roman soldier would take. You are able to wield it and with precision use it as God as his word penetrates us it also brings healing there's no healing without penetration that first kills that seems kind of weird but what does a surgeon do? When a surgeon has to go in and, and take out a tumor or take out an infection, when he has to go in, he's got to have the instruments that are sharp, precision, especially when it's very tight. I, th I think of my friend who, who just had a tumor taken out of his inner ear, and, and it was a specialized surgery. Very few people do that. He had to go to Denver to get it done. And they were very concerned because of how tight that is. You can just imagine that they didn't want to hit the nerve that was running right where the tumor was. And they did it with such precision. It did not touch that nerve at all. Sometimes... Like a surgeon, the Word of God comes and penetrates with, with precision in our lives to say, hey, here's an area of life that you really need to adjust. We need to eradicate that particular part of your life because it is not encouraging your spiritual health. It is not helping you to accomplish what you desire. In fact, it is a stumbling block, and an obstacle. And in order for you to heal, we've got to go in with precision and take that out. That's what the Word of God does. When we study His Word, it not only gives inspiration and encouragement, but it also, it cuts to take out that which we do not, should not have. Our desires and obsessions and fixations of this world, He'll eliminate that. And then it will heal for His Word now gives us what we need. And so we find that it penetrates with precision. His word penetrates completely as well. Verse 12 says, it penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. 
The Word of God alone shows us everything that dwells in our spiritual lives and in our earthly and bodily lives. The Word makes the most decisive separations and divisions of life. It separates spirit from soul, it says. The spirit is that part of our life which comes from God. The soul is the seed of our thoughts, emotions, feelings, desires, will, and actions. He's able to go through and completely separate those. That's how precision-minded and completely his word will work. For those who are lost, they don't know Christ, their soul has been separated from the life of God's Spirit and His Word. And His Word identifies this. That's how we become quickened and understand. I, I, don't, I don't have this understanding. And all of a sudden, you remember, maybe remember the day when the Word of God struck you and you realized, wait, I, I don't know. I don't know this spiritual life. I don't really know this Jesus. It's the Word of God that does that. Do you remember that day? All of a sudden, it's like the light comes on. Listen, that's what He will do. Taken together, the Word means that God's Word lays bare the entire person before God with absolute thoroughness. He cuts us, lets us see who we really are. Last Sunday, I, I went to the Explorers class for a brief time. I got to talk with Ken Hawkins. Ken had shoulder surgery back a few weeks ago. And as I was talking to him, I, he, looked, he looked good to me, you know? No issues. I gently touched his right shoulder and he looked back at me because that's the shoulder that he had surgery. <laughs> and then he took out an MRI picture. And what I couldn't see on the outside, I could see through that picture. Those titanium screws that they used. Wow. Listen. The Word completely reveals what is spiritual and what is fleshly about us. And He lays it out. And when we are engaged with the Word of God, that's what He will reveal to us. So, we find that the Word of God, it lives. The Word of God penetrates. The last teaching in this passage is that the Word of God exposes. God's Word exposes personally. Hebrews 4.12, 4, the last part says, It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So, God's Word, it sifts, it scrutinizes, it exposes impulses, secret thoughts and motives that we think, that we act on, and those that we do not act on. It knows them. When nobody else knows them. When they're held deep within the recesses of our minds and our hearts, we put them back so far that, that we think nobody will see it. And we don't want to bring it up. 
the scripture says that God's word knows exactly where it is and what it is. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So in doing so, God's word goes to the very heart. The book of Hebrews warns us about the heart, the, the essence of who we really are. Again, that's not that organ that pumps blood. It, it's the seat of our emotions and our will. The writer warns in Hebrews 3.8, Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of the testing in the wilderness. So don't harden your hearts. He says that our hearts tend to stray. In Hebrews 3.10 it says, This is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray. Don't harden your hearts. Even though our, our default many times is strain, he says don't let it. Stay in the word. Stay focused. He says that God also has a desire concerning our hearts. In Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 he says, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And so God has a desire to write on our hearts his laws, his desire, his unconditional love. And so therefore, the writer of Hebrews pleads in Hebrews 10.22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. So he says, hey, there's a strong possibility of hardening your heart or going astray. But I want you to know I, I have something I desire for you. I want to write my word on your heart and put it in your mind. And I want you to come to me with a sincere heart. And we can only do that when we are strengthened by his grace. The writer says in Hebrews 13, 9, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. So, God's word exposes personally what's going on in our life. Even though nobody else knows, God does. We also find that God's word exposes universally. In verse 13, the first part, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. He's not surprised by anything. As has been said before, he will never come and say, Gosh, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> he knows. Not only does God search us personally with his word, but there is no created thing that will escape his search. What he says of us, he also says of the angels. He says of the archangels. He says of Satan and his demons. All that exists, everything that he has created, he sees it all. It's universal. Nothing in all of creation is invisible to him. His word penetrates all. So 
God's word exposes personally, it exposes universally, and last, it exposes powerfully. In verse 13 of Hebrews 4, it says, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. There's that word, give an account. <laughs> we have to, to face the fiddler. We have to face the creator who created us in his image. And for those of us who have embraced Christ, we face him with this understanding that we are his. But the reality is we still have to face him with the life and the potential that he's given us and how we have been faithful with that. In the sight of God, everything is stripped of all artificial and cosmetic covering. <laughs> Everything, the scripture says, is naked. It's laid bare before him. We often hear of, of people who have passed and carried deep secrets to the grave with them. Well, God already knows. And he knows you and me. He knows my failings. All creation with which are that would bow its head and withdraw from God. All creation that would do that will be powerfully revealed in the presence of God. What a potent thing the Word of God is. It's powerful and living. And those words don't even describe all that we've talked about. To truly know the life that it gives, we must saturate ourselves in the very Word of God. We've got to let the Word cut and penetrate and expose all that is not His in us that is really being transparent that's really being serious before God that's getting off by yourself in your gap in your prayer room wherever it is that you and God get alone and just say God I want you to go in and and I want you with precision to do to do what you need to do to penetrate my heart and expose what is not yours I want everything of mine to be yours when that happens, and only when that happens, will true healing, real healing, take place for us. My question, do you need healing today? Do you need healing from your thoughts and the attitudes that are in you and are of you, but are not his? I'm gonna ask you to let the truth of God completely live in you this morning the thoughts that you have and the attitudes that you have that are not his I ask you to lay them before him this morning put them aside give them to him so that his word his life 
is in you. Please, if you would, take a look at this video, and then we move right into our invitation. Please stand as we sing our invitation. And if there's anything that you saw this morning, be free and be healed and let God's truth reign in you. Let's sing. You come as God leads you. So free and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you. Get into his word and let him speak to you personally. 
I just want to remind you, I'm sure Nancy will, will share the insert with you, but tonight at five o'clock is our, uh, our chili and cornbread challenge. And uh, our six Bible study classes will bring chili for everybody in the church. Y'all come and enjoy a good fellowship meal. And uh, after or during the process of that meal, uh, I'm gonna give a, a short overview of uh, the state of our church over the last four years, 2019 through 2023, uh, of the things that have been going on and our action plans and where we are compared to where we had hoped to be even during the time of COVID. So I hope you'll come for that and then we're gonna spend uh, uh, a little bit of time talking about just brainstorming things that you might like to see in the next couple of years because it's important for us to hear what you have to say. So this is an important meeting, so I hope that you'll come. Fellowship together, engage, and be involved. Ms. Nancy? And those of you who are bringing chili and cornbread, if you would have it in the kitchen by 4.30, that would be very, very helpful. In both lobbies, there are proposed 2024 budget packets for you to take. Next Sunday after worship, if you have questions and would like to speak with members of the finance and our personnel teams about the proposed budget, that meeting will take place in room 113 here by the organ. But please feel free to take a budget packet to review today from one of the lobbies. There are sign-up sheets, but I want to call your attention to the fact that in the CLC today, there are boxes that are available for you to take for Operation Christmas Child. Those are flat boxes. You get the joy of putting it together this year, as well as purchasing things for filling that box. And you'll see the instructions on the back of the bulletin as to when those filled boxes need to be returned. Also in the small lobby, ladies, if you would like to purchase a book for the Women's Bible Study, which started this past Thursday, there is still time for you to purchase a book and you can do that afterwards as well as you may purchase starting today, a ticket for the Thanksgiving Missions Awareness Banquet, which will be on Wednesday, November 15th at five o'clock. You will have three more Sundays after today. Dr. Bruce Ford will be our guest speaker and Susan Krause will be our soloist. So you will want to be part of that. A number of things going on. It's exciting times, busy times, but I encourage you to be involved. Chuck Fowler is now going to come and lead us in our closing prayer as we stand. Thank you. Bow with me in prayer, please. Father, this morning we have been challenged, the challenge of your word and the importance it plays in our lives. Father, may we earnestly think about the scripture this morning, what pastor has told us about, Father, to get re-involved in your word, to make it a love letter from you to us. Father, I just challenge each and every one of us. May you speak to us this week, and then may we take what we've learned and heard from your word and share it with people, a community, a world that needs to know you. For we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.